Welcome to Chelsea in the Meadow. I'm your host, Chelsea, and I'll be joined by my occasional co-star, my sweet grandmother, Mimi. We've spent many of our days tending to our plants and animals on East Meadow Farm, but now we are embarking on a new project, the Chelsea in the Meadow podcast. We started this podcast to help guide you through the process of maintaining your own home garden. On our show, we truly believe that everyone can grow, and we want to help you, the listeners, be successful by sharing what we've learned from our experiences as longtime horticulturalists. Join us each week for tips on how to attain the garden of your dreams. On today's episode, we take a walk through our gardening journeys, starting with Mimi's original business, Goose Cove Gardens. Not only is Mimi our gardening aficionado here at East Meadow, but she is also an inspiration for entrepreneurs like me. I learned from Mimi not only about plants, but also on how to start and run a successful nursery business. Enjoy our conversations about Mimi's beginnings and the steps she took to grow her business, and then our shift to my beginnings and how gardening is not only a passion of mine, but a way for me to connect more deeply with my family. Listen on to learn more about us and our visions for this podcast. Okay. Welcome, everyone, to the first episode of Chelsea in the Meadow. We are so excited to get started, and we have a really great show planned for you today. To start us off, I wanted to introduce Barbara Dombrowski, former owner of Goose Cove Gardens, which was located in Gloucester, Massachusetts. But now she is somewhat retired, and I say somewhat because I know she still works outside nearly every day here at East Meadow Farm and Orchard. How long would you say that you've been in the business, meme? Well, we owned our own business for about 30 years, but there was probably five years before that where I worked with other people, but in the same industry. And you'd say that your specialty is organic growing? Yes, I would. And we came about that from... A different direction. I didn't really know a lot 35 years ago about growing organically. But when we began our own business, we had so much competition in our area that I thought we needed to have a specialty, that we didn't want to be like everybody else because we were going to be small. We were going to grow everything ourselves and we needed to have a little niche. But once we started growing organic, and faced all the challenges of it, we um, we really crossed over that step into it and we found our food tasted better, that we felt healthier, that we were pleased that we could offer it to people and teach them about organics. Yeah, I think it's something that you don't realize it until you start doing it the difference that it actually makes. Makes, you do. Um, One time we got invited to a cookout. (laughs) We went to a cookout and it was fun. We enjoyed everything that happened there. And when we got home, my husband and I looked at each other and said, do you think that food had 
any taste at all? And we both went, no, it didn't. We had become so accustomed to potatoes and lettuce and carrots and all the things that you would put out at a summer cookout that had such good flavor. And to buy the things from a regular supermarket, it really didn't cut it for us anymore. So there came the big change. Yeah, I just, I can't believe I feel so fortunate. Um, I've grown up here at East Meadow. I have eaten all the things that come off of our property. I've grown up with this luxury of eating organic food that my mom and Mimi here work so hard to grow for me uh, and our families. So yeah, so I think we should kind of delve into a little bit of our backgrounds for the podcast, um, I guess, Mimi, what brought you to gardening? And it's always hard to say. My mother always gardened. She always had a flower garden, and she didn't care whether any of us kids helped or didn't help. But then once I had my family, I was given a gift one time of a plant. And I really didn't know anything about them. I put it in my kitchen window and it grew beautifully and successfully. And I was pretty surprised. And so then I began to put a little garden in outside. And then you have to be expecting that not everything is going to do great. So I'm an avid reader. So anytime I ran into a problem, I would read and learn and try to figure out why I had problems. And so I think it's the curiosity of it. It's the fun of growing something, but it is a learning process. And somewhere along the line, you maybe you have other people who teach you how to do it. I, because of the organics, learned sort of as I went. And, um, but now I'm thrilled to be able to share it with everybody in our family and anybody who comes shopping, anybody who has questions. So, um, and that's how I got into it. So was just having an innate love of it, I guess. So I think it's on your gene, in your gene pool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so you read a lot of books and was, probably used the internet as that became more accessible, but you didn't go to school for it. No, I didn't. I didn't. It was called (laughs) self-learning, (laughs) self-learning. And you still are the expert for it. You're the person that I think everyone should go to Mm -hmm. for plant problems and insect problems. Right, right. And I do. Our nursery that we ran in Gloucester, um, I think... I was in charge of all the growing. We had staff that worked for us and followed all the instructions they got. But the customers came and they came because they could get an answer. They could talk to you about what would be right for where they were putting it in. And they would have suggestions on, did I think it was going to work? And I'd say, give it a shot. And <laughs> and we'd work our way through till they became successful. Because it's not something that you're successful the day you walk out and put your first thing in the garden. There's a lot going on out there that you don't see that has to be corrected or has to be amended and changed in order to make it hospitable for that particular plant. So yes, we do hand out a lot of information on helping people be successful. Yeah, so I'm going to bring us back a little bit to talk about you had 
started to mention the Gloucester business, um, your first business. Why did you start your first business? Uh, Well, at that point, I'd worked about three years in retail for somebody else and got paid uh, not a lot of money. (laughs) And then I went to work in a big greenhouse um, development. And um, um, and while I was there, I watched what happened. I watched how it worked. I watched how they did the creating of all those plants. Some come in from other growers, some you seed yourself. I started to really pay attention to what kind of soil they were using, what kind of containers they were using. And um, toward the end, of, I was only there for a year, and toward the end, I was like uh, the closing up person at the end of the day, and I'm looking around this big greenhouse, and I'm thinking, if I had a little greenhouse of my own, I could make the same amount of money that I make going out to work every day. So that was gave me some confidence, and then you need somebody behind you who tells you, yes, it's a good idea, and my husband was always supportive, not just uh, verbally, et cetera, but financially. And you do need somebody behind you who's willing to let you make that kind of an investment into your projects. So I think I count count on him a lot for the amount of um, support that he gives. And I got it from my family as well. But then you're on your own at that point. You've got to mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to try and see what you can do and and try everything you can to get people to know that you're there and that you're willing to talk to them and that you're growing a plant that's successful. So that was how I started. So just please build me this little teeny greenhouse. So <laughs> and we went from that in our business up to eight good sized greenhouses and having ten employees. So it. And that grew up over the 22 years that we were there. And you started with herbs, right? Herbs and edible flowers. That was all we grew was herbs and edible flowers, both perennial and annual herbs. And anybody I could find that was an edible flower. And it was pretty conventional growing from the beginning, not organic is what I'm saying. No, it was organic from the very, very get-go. Finding people, I knew what I needed, but it wasn't something that was very common. And I felt very fortunate. I bought a book called Greener Boston. And in this book, um, it gave me the name of a supplier who sold organic products. And he was located in Salem, Mass. And I went over there and he was so helpful. He's, he totally believed in it himself. And he carried fertilizer and he carried fungicides and he carried all the insecticides, all the things that you would need that qualify to be organic. So without Bob Raymond, I don't know where I would have gone, <laughs> but he was the start and we still use the exact same fertilizer that he gave us 30 years ago. So um, anyway, so yeah, support team does come in all shapes and sizes. <laughs> it sure does. When did you decide it was time to get more land? It was really on a necessity. Um, the first year we had built this little house that was like 14 feet wide by like 20 feet long. And we sold, okay, okay. And then the following year, we sold more 
So we fit another greenhouse in our little backyard. And then the year after that, we were still running out of everything. So we built another. And after that third year, uh, my husband and I had a long conversation. And I said, you either have to stop now because you're going to always be out of everything or you have to expand. And we were lucky to find two acres of land on the same street where we lived that came up for sale. And so we sold our house and we packed up everything, greenhouses and everything and moved down the street. And that's when it really started to grow. I can't believe that it was only two acres. It yeah. was. It was only two acres. <laughs> we fit a lot in there, yeah, didn't we, Chelsea? Yeah. Oh, you I did. I remember, like, as a child going and visiting Goose Cove and running around that property. I, As a kid, I would have said that, you know, yeah. 10 acres. You know? I know, because now we have 22 acres. And, <laughs> and we still only probably use, like, <laughs> two acres. Two acres. <laughs> That's about all I think physically you can take <laughs> care of, don't you think? I know, with our size, I think so. <laughs> um, so you moved down the street put up some more greenhouses. Mm -hmm. You didn't start with, how many greenhouses would you say? We had, when we started, it was kind of a funny story because I must have had a vision for this because we built, built two greenhouses facing frontwards down level with the barn we had and with the sale area. And we had greenhouse, so we called them greenhouse one and greenhouse two. Well, there was, we hadn't built three beside them yet, but we still knew she was going to go there. So then we went up the hill and we built four, but that was far, how far we went the first year. So then after four, we built three and we built six, no, built five, three and five. And then six just never arrived for a little while. And we built seven and eight. So by then we had employees and they would all come and go, where's six? We're six. I said, six is coming. Six is coming. But it was very confusing. But I think in my head, I had a layout of exactly how they were going to go. And we just gave them their number they were going to get forever once we started. So and that was how we did it. So we had one house that was just strictly for seedlings. Greenhouse six is the one we put up when we finally couldn't grow enough tomatoes. So we put up greenhouse six and it held 10,000 tomatoes in it. So, and that was the point where we were like, we don't have any more land. We have to make this work. So we were very good at turning the greenhouses over, meaning that they had an early crop in them. And then once that early crop went out to retail, a second warmer weather crop went in. So every bench got turned over two times, which in order to make the most money out of what we had. So it was like, it was like running a symphony, sort of A comes out and then B comes in and C's following. And it was uh, directing traffic up there was, was a challenge. <laughs> it was quite the operation. <laughs> it, was, it was. And we had fantastic people who worked for her. Uh, most of them were women. Women have uh, a sensitivity 
toward the plants, but also a sensitivity toward each other. That doesn't mean they were all women by any means, but um, we found the majority of them were. And some stayed two years, some stayed, one stayed with me from the very beginning. She was with me for 20 odd years. So um, I think um, women carried the brunt of the, our business anyway, and I liked it that way, and I was comfortable that way, and I felt that it was a good thing, so... With that being said, I think it's important to know how important it was to have the um, male workers, too. I mean, I remember days with them <laughs> trying to build different things for you yeah. or get mechanics working. Especially as the business got bigger and we carried a lot of heavy material, we would make sure in the spring we always had college-age boys on staff that would fill your car with compost or bark mulch or whatever the heavy products were too. But they also built things for us. They had good imaginations for how we could do something that we were trying to do that maybe I couldn't grasp. And they'd go, but if we do it this way, so some of them were just great. And they were all helpful. If they weren't, they obviously they didn't stay, but um, we had probably a half a dozen that came through and most of them were young in their 20s and trying to figure out where they were going to go with their life. So we were a good stopping point. Some of them went to, what's it called, Chelsea, when you go and work at different farms? Oh, like woofing. Woofing. Some of them left to go woofing and do other things. And one um, that we loved very much ended up going back to college. He was in college, but it was putting a lot of financial pressure on him and his mom, and he didn't know what to do with himself. But after working for us, he was like, he changed schools. He went out to UMass, went to the agricultural program. And last I knew, he was still in the field and married with a family. So we felt like we made a difference in their lives. So it was fun. And even a lot of the women, it was a stopping point in their life while a change was being made. And we were the perfect spot to check in for a year or two and and then when you went on your way you had support from everybody around you they were very supportive to each other so it was fun it was very fun it was a novel place to <laughs> put together right yeah I think that's what gardening is I think so much of it because it's such a time um oriented uh career the plants take time to grow everything about the business it's it's always growing and so when you're coming into this field when it's your time to be a part of it you are growing as well it's you you grow alongside the plants around you so I think it's a point in everyone's life it's so important to keep a growing uh, a garden because it it helps you just as uh, mentally um even with if you were growing vegetables and things that you were going to be consuming, um, there's so many benefits to keeping mm-hmm. your own garden that you just maybe don't become aware of until you do it. And it's fresh air and sunshine. How lucky are we? You yeah. know that we're in fresh air and sunshine, and um, and it's healthier. It's I mean, yeah, I'm so grateful yeah. for the time that I do. I'm, I'm so grateful that my job takes me outside because without it, I don't know. I mean, I'm such an outdoors person, but sometimes I need that motivation to get me out there. 
And it's also the physical part of it. Absolutely. I mean, you get a lot of physical exercise. Um, and I think it's it only makes you healthier. Absolutely. It makes you stronger. It makes you smilier. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I always feel better when I know that spring is coming when we start working right. in that greenhouse and right. start seeding. It, it changes everything for right. me mentally, just getting out of that winter doldrum to get into that yeah that's why i have to get you to order all the seeds because then you get to start thinking about it in january i know that's the best part i love 50 million catalogs out right to decide so so now tell us how you got started with this because this is new for you to make a commitment to it absolutely so what made you choose to make this a commitment for yourself yeah it's kind of funny I think so much of it is tied to my love for my family um so much of it having that connection being able to um learn from my grandmother learn from my mom um spending those hours outside with them I wouldn't change it for anything and it started for me when we all moved to this new plot of land back in 2015, 2016, right in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, We built the houses and we also built a greenhouse, I think, that summer. And um, once we had the greenhouse, uh, Mimi and I would work outside and uh, work together and I would help seed and things. We built beds. And we built beds. And turned a lot of Yeah, (laughs) right. Yes, absolutely. And I started learning about these kind of things. And then um, when it came time for college and school, I had this, uh, I'm not sure exactly what I what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be um, uh, I was very interested in environmental science. And so I took classes in that I took a biology course um, uh, titled a green world. And I think that was really life-changing for me. The professor was Amy Freire and she was amazing. She was so knowledgeable about the plant life's, uh, plant life and just, you know, the natural world outside. And she really inspired me to want to pursue that more. So then the following summer, after my first year at Mount Holyoke, I worked for um, an elderly woman up by my school and uh, I got to do some landscaping work and work with her plants and putting different things in and her gardens were beautiful and it was something that I just, I felt so fulfilled helping her um, with all of it because it was the point in her life where she just couldn't push those wheelbarrows anymore Mm. and we all know that one day it's going to happen. <laughs> so we're always grateful for the younger generations to help us. Um, so once I started doing that, I made kind of a shift into architecture and design with the interest of um, sustainability. And what I really wanted to do was go to conventional farms and help them transition and redesign their plans to be more sustainable. And so I've followed that path and it has brought me back to East Meadow to help my grandmother and my mom again with um, the family business of growing more nursery plants. 
for the public and also working with um, community members on their own gardens, um, helping them maintain um, weeds and um, redesign kind of their gardens. A lot of people around us kind of want gardens, but aren't necessarily able to um, build them themselves. They need, they need the help. So I've been kind of working this summer to help them get the gardens that they want. Mm-hmm. And your time at the botanical garden. Oh, yes. That was a long summer. Yes. But, was, <laughs> but I think you learned a lot during that summer. Yeah, absolutely. So my after my junior year, before my senior year, it was right when COVID was um, hitting and, um, it was a difficult kind of move from being at school. I think it was a difficult time for everyone, obviously, but, um, it was just hard for me to go out and live somewhere all by myself. They originally have a program that offers five interns to live on site and then help at a historical, um, landmark and, um, plant the gardens in the time period of what would be there back when the original family had lived there at Namkeg. And then also I would spend time over at Berkshire Botanical Gardens and work alongside. And I did a lot of learning while I was there too. I had a wonderful boss, um, Matt Turnbull and um, and then also just some great staff around me, too, that were extremely knowledgeable. And everyone on the teams really helped me grow my passion and grow my knowledge for plants and for the horticulture world. So I'm really fortunate to have done that. But um, at that time, because of COVID, the other five interns or the other four of them couldn't attend it. They were from out of state, so they couldn't move. So because I lived so close to it, they still offered me the opportunity to go there and learn. And then also they would have my help because they really rely on the interns to help them a lot during those, you know, the busiest time of the year, that spring and summer, the months of June, July, and All August. All maintenance that needs to be done. Yeah. It- it's they, never ending right. on a, at a botanical garden. Never, <laughs> never is. It, so to keep these gardens as pristine as they are, they need a lot of hands to do it. Um, so I was, they were just as grateful for me, I think, as yeah. I was for them. Yeah. Yeah. And together we made it through that summer, but it was quite the adventure and I learned so much from them. Yeah. Yeah. So it all adds up together, and here we are, a multi-generational farm. That's right. <laughs> and we've kind of embarked on starting an apple orchard, and together Mimi and I planted, you know, the first 50-year-odd trees and 100 or so trees together. <laughs> We're still working in that. We're still learning, definitely, on how to do this right to the best of our ability. Again, a lot of reading of books and online research, listening to other videos of people, you know, telling us how to prune, telling us how to care. I mean, 
And you can get as many differences of opinion as you want to find <laughs> out there. So that's you right. sort through and try to figure out what works for you. Yeah, so. that's right. right. I mean, this year, though, we got some production from our peaches and some yeah. production from our apples. And we're just five years old. So yeah. that's when we should start to see it and not expect them. I mean, some of these trees are going to be, they're probably topping off around eight feet maybe and they're going to grow to be 20 by 20 so we've yeah. got a lot of growing to go out there so but we also grow blueberries and raspberries and things like that that just fill our freezers and make the gardening be so valuable we get through most of the year with the produce that we pull pick Whatever, however we have to process it. I mean, I made peach jam this year. We had peach shortcakes this year. <laughs> so you have a week where you just, you don't do anything but peaches. That's right. That's <laughs> Which right. isn't so bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, I know, with peach being one of my favorite yeah, fruits. Yeah, you know. and that's our main thing here. We do do a retail business in the spring. And we grow, you know, tomatoes, lettuce, fruit, blueberries, strawberries, that whole thing. And it's all organic. But the main concentration here is to fill these freezers and fill us, right. feed us for the year. Right. So I mean, um, cut the, cut 95 down. pounds of carrots goes yeah. a long sure way. <laughs> yeah, and, and we're grateful for all of our freezers yeah. and <laughs> space that we've created. Um, I think that is something that we encourage others to do as well it not only is um financially just better we right. save a ton of money on groceries by right. growing it ourselves uh, seeds cost you know a lot less a lot <laughs> less and you get a lot more out of it and then you don't always need the seed for next year because you have some left over and right. it's right. basically getting free vegetables right. all for all year long right. And then you know where it's coming from and you know what's being put into it. And there is nothing better than pulling out a beautiful carrot when you were the one that put that seed into the soil. And I think that's the whole purpose of this podcast is to try through our conversations to get you to have the faith that you could do this. And it doesn't take a tremendous amount of space. I mean, we grow green beans. And right now we have a plethora of green beans. <laughs> but a row of green beans, I watch one row would of 12 feet, that's how close that's how much footage you would need, would feed a family of four for a whole year out of your freezer. And it's the minimum amount of effort. With really? green beans, you don't do anything <laughs> other than pick. Pick. And some days you don't really feel like picking, but you still go and pick. <laughs> you still got to. You still got to. You do have to. You can't take a step back and say, I'm just not up for it today because you want it at its prime and you want to process it. However, you're going to do whatever you're going to do with it at its prime. So we're hoping through the podcast that we can encourage encourage you and yeah. and guide you and help you from making um not help you from making mistakes but let you be as successful as we are now without having to go through all the years to figure it out 
So, because I think what happens is people have a garden, they don't ask any questions. The first year it doesn't do very well. And, and then they say, oh, I have a black thumb. I'm not a good gardener. Well, that isn't true at all. Everybody can grow. There isn't any excuse to say I can't grow. Makes so, me think of ratatouille. Right. Everyone can cook. Well, everyone can grow. You can do it. That's right. It's all about knowing how to do it. Right. And here we are to tell you how yeah. to do it right. To guide you through this. And and we'll start in, in more visits with basics of soil and fertilizer and cover crops and, and how to make a raised bed how to build a raised bed so that way and how to do some easy how to keep things. the deer from eating all your oh food. absolutely <laughs> how to do it if you live in an apartment and the only space you've got is your front step yeah. you know you just put it in a pot there's a there are ways to do it even when your space is limited right. even when you don't have the time for it. You plant the right things and they're going to do it for you. Right. And you don't have to be that gardener that's, you know, working full time on your gardens. No, you can and, be. A- and we don't want you to waste time and money doing things that we know are going to fail for you. Absolutely. Which we see way too often. Yeah. Okay. People who see something and they say, oh, they say that works great. Well, you know what? It doesn't work great. So and now you've <laughs> invested that time in a whole season. And then again, you go, oh, I guess I'm not a good grower. Well, no, it's not your fault it's at all. Sometimes they just sell you the wrong thing. <laughs> And I mean, we often, Mimi and I talk about how I was um, dog sitting for um, my partner's friend and his garden. So he had a raised bed and he put a plastic liner at the bottom of it. And it's something that we often see in the gardening world for beginners. They get these kits and the beds are too shallow and they put a plastic liner at the bottom. And we all know that that doesn't work. Yeah, that can't work. It can't work. It's like planting them in a swimming pool. And I also had uh, watched a video of a man talking, and he said, all you have to do is go for a walk, and you have to look at how the trees grow. The trees grow with soil under their roots. They grow with a mulch of leaves all over the top of them that they drop every year that's decomposing into the soil and the food that they need. So if you take the time to look around, we've never met anybody growing out there with a plastic liner under their feet. So it seems like it shouldn't be a hard concept, but I think if you don't know anything about it, you think these people are telling you, what you need to know. So we're hoping we can save you a few mistakes along the way. Right. And anytime you have questions, I'm going to put my email up on the website for the podcast, which is chelseainthemeadow at gmail.com. And check out our website at www.eastmeadoworchard.com. And feel free to shoot questions or plant problems our way and we'll investigate them as best we can and try and give you some answers along the way. So 
Yeah. Which might help us learn something. That's how I learned a lot of what I learned years ago. People would come in and to the store where I worked and they'd say, well, I need this or I need that or I don't know about this. And I'd say, well, I don't know either, but I'll look it up and call you tomorrow. And I would. I'd go home, dig into my books, find the answer they were looking for, call them in the morning. And they'd always be so shocked that I had called them back. (laughs) But that was how I learned. I learned every question that came to me. I made sure I knew an answer. So, And I think we can do the same for you. Questions will be just fine. Yeah. Yeah, we encourage them. We like them. <laughs> we like them. We might learn something along right. the way when right. we're figuring it out. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so this is our podcast. This is how we're starting. So I think in the coming weeks, We'll dive into different um, tips and tricks for starting your own garden, um, kind of investigate. We might even do it seasonally, which we could do. We could start the next one and talk about what you could do this time of year to get ready for next year. Closing up your gardens is a big part of gardening. Or building a new one now. Right. This This is is a cool time of year. year. It's cooler out. You're not in a hurry for it. You take a weekend, build a few raised beds. And then put, you know, whatever leftover soil you have into it to let it start Set, setting. Setting, yeah. So that yep. way by springtime, it's ready. And we'll yeah. tell you what to put into it. Put into it. So it might be fun to look at it from that direction a little bit and yeah. see what we could help you get started. So you'd yeah. feel somewhat enthused. Absolutely. You could keep up with us. Right. Just keep firing it at you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we're coming from New England area. So we'll be kind of following the seasons of New yeah. England. We're a zone six here so um because we're inland a little bit away from the water so um so we're 6a and then we can take it into consideration where you are absolutely yeah so thank you so much for coming today and thank you so much Mimi for being a part of this today and Hopefully we will see you next week and I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, please tell your friends, like it, you know, send us some feedback about things that you'd be interested in hearing about and we will catch you on the flip side. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, Chelsea. (laughs) All right.